A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. You stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains, spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs. Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 155 of Confessions of a Marketer, traffic secrets for marketers. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Dave Woodward of ClickFunnels is in to talk about some traffic secrets and the book of the same name that his boss, Russell Brunson, came out with. I hope you're doing well. Recording this on a beautiful day here in the Northeast of the United States. I've got the window open. You may hear some bird song in the background. Next time, Larry Ludwig on affiliate marketing. And in the weeks ahead, we have Ian Preston, Chief Client Success Officer for EMEA at Wonderman Thompson. He'll be in for a chat about the needs of the modern marketer, the customer experience, collaborating in the more integrated WPP, and of course, customer success. Plus, Travis Chambers, Naira Perez, Marty McDonald, and Nicholas Vandenberg. They're all on the docket coming soon. As always, stay with us. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. Okay, on to Dave Woodward. Dave is Chief Revenue Officer and a partner at ClickFunnels, a company that promises that you are just a few simple clicks away from a beautifully designed website marketing funnel. I wanted to get to the bottom of that and get a view into the book that the head of ClickFunnels, Russell Brunson, wrote recently, Traffic Secrets. So Dave and I chatted a while back. You'll get a view into Dave's background, how ClickFunnels grew to 100 million in less than five years, a little about direct response advertising and what's happening with ClickFunnels. This was recorded before COVID had started to take over the world, but it's still brimming with great thinking. Let's get to it. Dave, it's great to have you on Confessions of a Marketer. Welcome. 
Thanks. I'm excited. Can you share your background and how you ended up at ClickFunnels? Oh, sure. I've known Russell for about the last, gosh, 12 years. I actually met at one of his events. Hmm. And I had my own direct response marketing company at the time. A lot of my clients, this is back probably 2008, 2009. And a lot of my clients were trying to figure out this whole internet thing, how to get online. And so I went to an event of his that uh, he was teaching people about affiliate marketing with Stu McLaren. And I remember when he basically got at the very beginning, he said, hey, if any of you guys would like to pick our brain or take us out to lunch or dinner, just go to the back and sign up. So I went back and signed up for the next three days worth of lunches and dinners with him Mm -hmm. and (laughs) had the opportunity of getting to know Russell very well. And so we actually became dear friends. We did quite a few other business types of internet marketing things over the years. And then when ClickFunnels came around, he offered me the opportunity of getting involved and I was super excited and jumped at the opportunity. That was an interesting time, 2008, 2009, to be in in business at all. I was in marketing and I was uh, in January of 2009. I was one of those people, one of the 700,000 people who lost their job in 2009. It felt like the world was ending, but it didn't. (laughs) That's a very fair assessment. Yeah, so you've got a pretty amazing story to tell. ClickFunnels has grown from zero to 100 million in under five years. How the heck did you manage that? Oh my gosh, it's been a ride of a lifetime. It, it seems like an eternity, but it's, you're right, it's been five years. I Honestly, for us, I think the, gosh, there's quite a few things that kind of attribute to it. One of the biggest things was getting the right team together. That was probably Todd and Russell really kind of getting things started with the intent and the idea of really getting a tool that they could use at the time, really more for some of Russell's other projects. And then from there realizing, you know, we can actually scale this and let other people use it. And we actually ended up scaling it. When we first launched ClickFunnels, we thought it was going to, everybody's just going to love it. They would jump right on it and we'd have, you know, 10,000 users in the very first month. Did not happen that way. In fact, we had uh, about two or three actual launches before it actually took off. And it wasn't until Russell was speaking at Mike Phil Sames' event where he really kind of presented how he is actually using ClickFunnels at that time for another company. Yeah. And that's when it really clicked for people. And we then went on a massive webinar campaign spree and ended up doing, I'm sure Russell at that point, it seems like he was doing one to two webinars a day and really worked a lot with affiliates at first. And then John and our team was doing a lot on the paid marketing side. And so right, right now, the majority of our stuff actually comes from either SEO or paid traffic. And then obviously we still have affiliates that promote click files, but it's been an amazing experience. Literally volumes of books could be written over what's happened over the last five years. So growing something from zero to a hundred million is exciting. It means you've landed a lot of business, but the internal struggle that that can cause can be overwhelming. How have you gotten through that? How have you avoided that? Just the growing pains of going from you know, not making any money five years ago to a hundred million now. I appreciate that. You can't avoid it. I wish there was a way of avoiding the pains. Your your question as far as how'd you get through it is probably yeah. the better question. And yeah. for us, honestly, one of the most important things that we found very early on was the importance of hiring A players right out the gate. They cost a little bit more, yeah. but the return on that investment was 10 to 20 times what we'd get out of just someone else. Our support people actually came from users who loved the product and we actually brought them in to be our support team. I remember that once we crossed over about 50 employees, it was like, holy smokes, we're <laughs> it's really starting to pick up here. And we've always had kind of a ready, fire, aim approach to things. So it's yeah. <laughs> sell, 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 and we'll figure things out on the back end. And yeah. I think 
one of the things that actually did for us, it, it did provide us the opportunity of having resources yeah. that uh, allowed us to be able to hire the right people. The other thing it really provided was an opportunity of, of building systems internally. And as we crossed over 100 employees is where we really we realized we have to have systems. We were a very flat organization, very few managers, all of us having you know, 10 to 15 direct reports. Right. And it wasn't until we started realizing, okay, we've got to put some structure to this. And then I remember the when you start hiring your first two or three managers, you feel a ton of relief at first. And then you get to that third, fourth, and fifth manager, and you're like, holy smokes, are we doing the right thing here? And so we went back and we looked at quite a bit of the way we were actually were bringing people in. And one of the things we learned very early on was just because they were a great salesperson or they were great at support doesn't necessarily mean they're a great manager. Yeah. And what we've typically found is we were hiring or promoting those people who we were basically promoting them into a weakness and taking away their strengths. Yeah. So uh, we have the opportunity, we've worked with quite a few different people on management type of skill sets. We do a lot when we're hiring, uh, taking a look at disc personalities, 16 personality type of things, not as much as a hire based on that, but at least a tool to really understand some of the underlining things. People are really good at selling you on something on what they could do. And so for us, it was more a matter of what are they really like and how do they work? And for us, it was more about a culture fit. Yeah. If they didn't fit the culture, we've had it happen a couple of times. If they didn't fit the culture, it was the wrong culture, then it was a terrible hire. Yeah. And I've done a lot of reading about that. You know, we're starting a company called Podco Media Networks, which uh, Confessions of a Marketer is part of and starting a, a company that is much smaller than ClickFunnels is right now. But one of the things we're really focusing on is who do we want to work with? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Who, who do we not want to work with? And it's a really important thing to consider. It is the most important thing. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about direct response advertising. You have experience in that area. Can you tell me about that? Sure. I cut my teeth with uh, Dan Kennedy's courses years ago and yeah, Jay Abraham. Right. So that's kind of where yeah. I, I got my start. And a lot of it was based on on RFM, you know, recency, frequency, monetization, when we're taking a look at lists and trying to find out what is the best way of acquiring the right clients. And one of the things that I've learned early on is a buyer is a buyer is a buyer. And yeah. so even when we take a look at ClickFunnels, opt-ins are, they're great. They at least get on your list, but they're such a buyer is worth, you know, thousand times more than an opt-in. Yeah. And so one of the things we've always tried to take a look, anytime I look at direct response marketing is how, how can I get someone to buy something as soon as possible? Yeah. Getting that first dollar is always the hardest. After you've they've bought something from you, there's an element of trust there. And then getting that next dollar is really one of the most important things as soon as you can. So again, I go back to the old days of recency, frequency, and monetization and seeing how often do they buy? How frequently do they buy? How can we actually upsell them? And those are some of the things that I've worked a ton of in any of the companies I've worked with. It's always based around those three things. Do you use uh, the funnel as a kind of metaphor or are you beyond that? Um, gosh, it's kind of a weird question. I'm, I wouldn't say we're beyond that because it's something we still look at and use all the time. Yeah. I think, uh, I've talked to people on, on the podcast about the funnel being kind of a flawed metaphor um, and that it works in some circumstances, but not in all. Well, I think that's true of everything. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that is perfect in every situation. Yeah. I think for the majority of businesses, as you take a look at a funnel, I know uh, HubSpot was trying to go more towards a flywheel and I've seen other people, you know, with different ideas and things, the funnel, at least I, I look at as far as you, if you take a look at the funnel compared to your value ladder yeah. and you lay that on top of each other, then it makes a lot of sense. Because yeah. if you take 
look at anyone's value ladder, you're going to have fewer people at the top of that than you are going to be at the bottom. Right. And it's basically just the way in which a person funnels through that process. So I'm still a huge believer in looking at a funnel. I think for us, I look at- It's part of your name too. It is. It'd be really hard for me to say, no, I I would get rid of funnels completely. (laughs) But I guess what I'm wondering about is, is you visualize the funnel and you figure out how to nurture someone from the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel. What do you do at each point? What are the right things to do? And I think a lot of people just think, well, they're in the funnel. I'm just going to kind of- bury them in content and ask them for a sale. And that's not usually the way it works, right? No, I think what you made mention there, the key is nurture. Yeah. And burying a person in content never is nurturing. Yeah. I also think that a person doesn't have to start at the very top. Sure. Yeah. The very rim of the funnel. I think for us, had we started off with a $7 free or, you know, $7 report or something like that, we never would have been able to get the money we needed to actually build click funnels. So yeah. If you take a look at our value ladder, we really started in the middle. We started with a webinar, it was $9.97 for years worth of ClickFunnels at the time. And had we not done it at that point, we never would have been able to self-fund as we've been able to do and grow a $100 million company. Yeah. So I think uh, the idea of a funnel with the, uh, the principle behind it being you're going to continue to nurture people and help people progress up your value ladder. And if you're providing the right, and again, it comes back to that nurturing Nurture has, you know, the word nurture in it, meaning yeah. you've got to be providing them the right types of things that are actually nurturing and growing that that relationship versus just throwing them a whole bunch of content that is of no value to them. Right. And just because you say something is middle of the funnel doesn't necessarily mean it is or top of the funnel. It has to actually be right. Absolutely. So looking back over the last five years and the, the length of your career, what do you think is the the key thing that has contributed to your success? Wow. <laughs> or things. Jeez. I can tell you probably one of the things you wouldn't consider, and that is I was really lucky to marry the right person. Mm-hmm. Join the club. <laughs> I just, had she not been as supportive as she was, I never could have gone over through the what we went through during the last five years. Yeah. I mean, we spent 20 years down there in Southern California. I moved my family. So halfway through the last five years, when we first started, I was flying up here, up to Boise every other week. And then about three years ago, we actually moved my family up to Boise, which was a huge yeah. change. And so marrying the right person, I say, was the first right thing I did. And that's probably probably even the biggest thing that's been attributed to my success over the last five years. The other thing is to take a look as far as what we've done as a company, as far as building a culture, not only within the company itself, but also amongst the community. That is by far probably one of the most important things we've seen that has helped us to weather a lot of the storms that a lot of small businesses, when they first get going, you just go through. And so a lot of transparency when we had troubles with basically our our servers went down and crashed. And it was like, we were very transparent. Hey, listen, you know what? This is, we're in the exact same situation. We actually, ClickFunnels itself at that time was by far the biggest consumer of ClickFunnels. And so we felt that our customers paying instantly. And so being totally open and transparent yeah. helped a ton. Another thing that's been yeah. really a key thing for us as far as, as building ClickFunnels over the last five years, I mentioned earlier, and that was hiring the right people. The other thing was really understanding marketing. And I think that uh, too often people want to outsource the marketing piece. And the marketing is really, it's the love making of your business. And it's really hard to outsource that. Mm-hmm. And I think we were very fortunate that all of us really when you take a look at ClickFunnels, when it first got started, all of us were very big into the marketing itself. Even Todd, who's a programmer, has a great mind for marketing. Obviously, Russell has a brilliant mind. Yeah. 
And understanding that marketing was more important than anything else in the beginning had really helped us to weather a lot of the storms as well. Everyone and in a small company, in a startup, everybody's in marketing. You have to be. You have to have that uh, kind of sensibility to understand that everything you do is about the image of the company and adds up to some kind of marketing direction. Correct. I totally agree. So so tell me about what's going on at ClickFunnels these days. Uh, and I understand Russell has a, a new book out called Traffic Secrets. I'd love to learn more about that, too. Yes. Actually, he's he's doing the audio recording right now. So he's in oh, the sound wow. booth recording the Traffic Secrets right now. It actually launches March 17th. The, publish, yeah. uh, the pub date is May 5th of this year. But yeah. uh, we'll start uh, an early launch. The publishers want to find out exactly how many copies to they actually need to provide. Sure. So we've got an early sale that'll start March 17th, going through about April 5th. And then we'll have another sale between April 5th and May 5th. Traffic Secrets is probably one of the things I'm most excited about. That's the third book in Russell's trilogy, Expert Secrets and Dotcom Secrets. Yeah. For us, the one thing that every company needs is traffic. It's probably yeah. the most open and probably the most difficult book that Russell's had to write because it's very difficult to write a book that's going to be evergreen talking about traffic sure. where traffic changes on a daily basis. And yeah. so the foundational principles that he actually teaches in Traffic Secrets will last really through the test of time. And I'm super, super excited about the book. I've had the opportunity of reading it and being involved in some of the chapters and writing things. And it's it's really fascinating for me as you take a look at at really traffic to any business over time, not necessarily just in since the internet started, but any business from the very beginning of whenever they started this business, you know, thousands of years ago, there's core principles about how do you actually drive traffic? How do you build to that? Right. And that's some of the stuff he is talking about in Traffic Secrets. Location, location, location. It's right? crazy. Yes. Uh, that <laughs> uh, obviously the Dream 100 is a big principle in there. You made mention earlier as far as identifying the correct avatar. And yeah. I know that's Probably one of the, it is by far one of the things most people in a business struggle with the most is how do you identify that avatar? Yeah. He actually ended up going back and then rewriting dot-com secrets and expert secrets. Both those books were 50 to 60,000 words and they've now ended up around 90,000 each. Wow. So there's a rewrite of dot-com secrets, a rewrite of expert secrets and traffic secrets. So Russell for the last year has been heads down on, on book writing. Yeah. Uh, just finished uh, Funnel Hacking Live where we rolled out a couple of different levels to ClickFunnels before we just had a 97, a 297 tier. We now have a 1497 and a 2997 tier yeah. that uh, were rolled out at Funnel Hacking Live. We've got uh, I've added Funnel Flicks recently, which has been a ton of fun and really providing a lot of a lot of the content we mentioned earlier in the podcast here as far as Dan Kennedy's stuff. We were licensed sure. a lot of his content, oh, licensed okay. you know, Frank Kern's content, Jay Abraham and a few others. Uh, so there's a ton of actual content to help as you mentioned, really the importance here is that everybody in your team understands how to market. And so there's marketing things in there as well as personal development and anything a person needs to actually scale and build a company. So those yeah. have been a few things we've been working on. Oh, that sounds like the adventure continues. Huh? It always does. <laughs> well, this was great, Dave. I really appreciate you joining me. I can't wait to share this with my listeners. Well, thanks. We're excited. All right. Next time, Larry Ludwig on affiliate marketing. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2020. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Stay healthy and see you next time.